when you feel that there, that no sole person in the relationship holds the power, at least not like consistently and ongoingly, that's when it's like comfortable. Mm. And if you're starting off new things like you're describing with like an immediate power imbalance where you're letting things fly that should never fly and you're not like sta stating your terms, things don't happen on your terms if, you're, if you never say them and if you don't even take times to be like, what are my damn terms? I have no idea right mm. now because I'm just catering to this other person. Yeah. Yeah. Hey there, gals. Hey there, gals. And welcome back to another episode of The Gals Guide. We are a dating and lifestyle podcast. I'm Hannah. And I'm Emily. Happy Monday and welcome back for another episode of our podcast. I have never been so exhausted in my life. And you would think when I say that I'm exhausted from like, you know, oh, Emily's like committing to her news resolution. She's working out a ton. Yeah. No, I'm committing to another news resolution, which is to see a hundred films. Oh, I like year. that for you. Okay. I've already seen nine. Nine? <laughs> and it's, it's the 14th of January. I saw seven films this week. Oh I, my gosh. I could never say that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> we know. You just watched like like five films I just recommended to you like last year. So it's yep, okay. Yeah. Starting out 2024, great. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Um, yeah. So uh, I thought we would start at this episode with like a... Uh, Emily's film corner where she reviews like all these different this films. This should just be a segment, like honestly. <laughs> it really should be. Um the, like a like a monthly thing where I update hey, you on all it gives, the films. It gives me great ideas for things when I'm like, I don't know what to watch. Oh yeah, yeah. Emily said. <laughs> Everybody, if you want to, if you have letterbox, just follow me on letterbox at Emily Elise. Um you can see all the films that uh, I am watching on there too. Uh okay, so let me pull up speaking of that my log okay so on monday i watched fair play which is on netflix mm -hmm. and I, I i liked it i enjoyed it it for me though it hit a little too close to home <laughs> with the previous relationship i had been in oh. so but this one obviously was way more intense the acting was really really great in it um, the film is about an unexpected promotion at a cutthroat hedge fund pushes a young couple's relationship to the brink threatening to unravel not only their recent engagement but their lives and mm. it, it's very very intense it's very dramatic but i think that the cast i um Phoebe, I can never pronounce her last name, Defner. She is in the first season of Bridgerton, the lead. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. She's the star of it. She plays, Ooh. she's really, really great. Her character's name is Emily, which is a, it was oh, a little too close to home. also too close to home. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, wow, this is really spot on. And then after that, technically, I forgot, I've already, I've watched eight films this week because oh I watched Saltburn again right oh, after that. Oh, okay, And okay. I'm so excited for you to finally watch Saltburn. Saltburn is on Netflix, correct? Prime. Prime. Prime, Prime, Prime. Okay. Yeah. Prime. And I rewatched it because I, I hadn't watched it since it was in theaters and I still really loved it. I still enjoyed it. I think Rosamund Pike should do a lot more comedies. She is hysterical. And it, if you still are under like a rock and have no idea what Saltburn is about, it is um, 
Struggling to find his place at Oxford University, student Oliver Quick finds himself drawn into the world of the charming and aristocratic Felix Catton, who invites him to Saltburn, his eclectic family's sprawling estate for a summer never to be forgotten. Mm. So that is what Saltburn's about, and that's all I'm going to tell you because the less you know, the better. I like that. (laughs) Tuesday, I went and saw Anyone But You, which is my captivation this week. I Mm. was obsessed with that film. And let me tell you why. First of all, Glenn Powell is this generation's Matthew McConaughey. I fully believe that. What Matthew McConaughey did for rom-coms is what I need Glenn Powell to do for rom-coms now. Yeah, I think he is great. The chemistry he had with Cindy Sweeney was also really good. I really enjoyed both of them in it. And for anybody that doesn't know, like, it is based off Much Ado About Nothing from William Shakespeare. Oh, like, and okay. I, I lo- one, I love that play, but two, I just love it when people make modern adaptations of classic work. Like, I loved, you know, She's the Man is basically mm-hmm. Shakespeare's Twelfth Night. Um, Ten Things I Hate About You is Taming of the Shrew from Shakespeare. There's Romeo and Juliet has been done like 5,000 billion times. Right. But I really love it when they make modern adaptations of classic works. And so I, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, a little summary about it. After an amazing first date, B and Ben's fiery attraction turns ice cold until they find themselves unexpectedly reunited at a destination wedding in Australia. So they do what they two mature adults would do, pretend to be a couple. Mm. Okay. It's really cute. I really enjoyed it. I think their chemistry is really great. And it's just a really happy-go-lucky film. And if you are a fan of Unwritten by Natasha Bedingfield, you will also like this film. And that is all I will say. Thursday, I went and saw... Um, Wednesday, I then went and saw The Color Purple. And this is... The, the Color Purple, it is... This one is the musical version. So it's based off the Broadway show, yeah. mm-hmm. which is based off the movie which is based off a book (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot there's a lot of based off of (laughs) yes but uh fantasia burino stars in it and she is so amazing her voice is spectacular and when she sings the song i'm here i i I turned into an emotional mess like it is just so beautiful you were Mm. constantly rooting for her character she is just the most angelic character in the entire show and you're just constantly like rooting for her to stand up for herself and to have a better life and the ending is so sweet and magical but the main star of the show to me is danielle brooks who plays sophia she steals every single scene that she walks into in that movie she is just so electric and captivating on the screen and just has so much charm and wit to her that i think she definitely should get the Oscar for Best Supporting Actress. I She's mm-hmm. like hands down my pick. I really enjoyed it. Um, if you have no idea what The Color Purple is about, uh, it is basically the decade-spanning tale of love and resilience of one woman's journey to independence. Cecile faces many hardships in her life, but ultimately finds extraordinary strength and hope in the unbreakable bonds of sisterhood. Like I completely understand why specifically black women are really drawn to this film because it is just, it really is about resilience and sisterhood and just the bond of these female friendships that they have with each other. And Mm -hmm. it is just so moving. Like I think I was sobbing by the end of this film oh. like i was a puddle <laughs> i like turned to my friend i was like is my mascara running because am i like, good 
funny. I promise she's like, are you okay? And I was like, no, I'm not. Like, it is, oh. And just just hearing all of them sing, the songs are so beautiful, too. The choreography is amazing. Oh, I And Tar- Taraji P. Henson, oh, my God. Like, when she walks into the scene, like, she is amazing as well. Um, Thursday, I saw another musical. I saw Mean Girls. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, I know how you feel. <laughs> I didn't really like it. Oh. And I love Renee Rapp. Renee was amazing. I know. Renee was the only thing fetch about that entire film. And for those of you that don't I've know. heard. So I'm like, I'm toying with like, do I go see it or do I just go wait see for it, it to come out? I don't go know. Go see it so you can judge for yourself. Yeah. But I, to me, and like, she, I mean, she sounds amazing at World Burn. It is a musical. I knew it was a musical. I love musicals. We know this. I feel like it was a little too cheesy. Like with some things oh, where okay. they made, it wasn't campy where it was good. It was cheesy and like we're trying to be very family friendly with some of this. And that's why I was like, Ugh. like some of the jokes from the original, they like watered them down in this one. And my whole takeaway from it was that the plastics in this version, they're not mean enough. Right. Like and so when someone said that, uh, like, it was it wasn't they weren't mean enough to the point where they like wanted to be Regina. I was like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. I was like, like oh no. <laughs> I'm so glad someone That's else said not that. the plastics that I remember. <laughs> no. <laughs> I did not want to be Regina. <laughs> no, like in the original Mean Girls, Regina was the Queen Bee because people feared her. Right. Whereas in this one, Regina Renee Raps, Regina is like the cool girl. That, that people like, actually like everybody want to be friends em- with. And I get it. People envied Regina in the original one too, but they, she still had power over the entire school. Whereas like Renee's Regina is like, she can be like a little like mean, but I mean, at the end of the day, she's just the cool girl that I think everybody's obsessed with and like mm. wants to be friends with. And when she does world burn, which in my opinion, in the Broadway show and in uh, that moment in the original film when she's writing in the burn book uh, after she finds out everything that Katie's done, she writes in the burn book and then goes and distributes it all over the school. Mm-hmm. That's when the song World Burn plays in the musical. And, right. And the original film and in the Broadway version, it is ultimately like Regina versus the entire school. She wants to burn like the whole school down. She wants the entire school to fall apart because she wants that's where she has the power over. Whereas in this one, it feels like it's a personal attack against Katie. Mm, okay. It feels more zoned in, more personalized. Like it's not just like fuck this entire school. It's fuck you, Katie Heron. Yeah. Like I'm going to destroy your life specifically. Yeah. Um, so that was interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, take some people. I still liked it. I still right, enjoyed right, it. Right, like, yeah. I still had a good time. But um, the, also the outfits. They were I hated great. Some, I, I hated them. I hated them. Except Karen. I love her. Okay, the and that, that's, that's really interesting because I've been seeing people say that they don't like the new Karen. And I was like. No, no, mm-hmm. I love her. I love her. She's amazing. I want her to go far. I mean, a cipher to be very proud of her. Yes. Like you don't get the it's already raining thing with her boobs, but she's still obsessed with her boobs, like the yeah. original Karen was. Right. And like in other cute ways. Like that's yeah. the thing. You can still make it central to the character, but like if you're not gonna use the same lines, at least make it different and interesting right. in the same way. Yeah. Um, and she definitely does that. And I I love her and her. She only gets like really one song to herself in the entire film. Mm-hmm. And 
I love her song because it's for the Halloween party. And it is so cute. And it's like my favorite thing. I don't really care about Gretchen, though. Yeah. And I love Gretchen in the original one. So maybe maybe that's who maybe that's what I was thinking of. Maybe it wasn't Karen that people were saying. I think it was maybe they just weren't obsessed with the Gretchen. Yeah. I think that's what it was. I think I may have gotten it backwards. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't been paying Janice much attention. And, <laughs> Janice and Damien were flawless, though. They were amazing. Oh, yeah. right? And then Chris Briney as Aaron Samuels um, was okay. I don't okay. know how I felt about that cast choice. I, they ca- so that, he was casted because Tina Fey's daughter saw he was really hot and that he would make the perfect Aaron Samuels, which I understand. If that's the audience you're kind of going for is that demographic of girls. And mm-hmm. if that's who they find hot, yeah, sure, book them. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, they do cut out all of Aaron Samuels' songs in the film because Chris Briney cannot sing. Oh, that's... So. Okay. <laughs> so That makes sense. And really, he's not a central character to this film. And well, he's, he's not on, yeah, he's not he's really not, on Broadway yeah, either. Yeah, um, that's, that's true. That's true. Yeah. So... Watch it, judge for yourselves, but that's just how I feel. And then what else have I seen? So yesterday I went and saw Barbie with Greta Gerwig and got to see Which Greta Gerwig. That's so cool. That's the only reason I really wanted to go. And then I also saw American Fiction, and that one was also really amazing. I really enjoyed that one. I think it's really, really sharp. So American Fiction is about Thelonious Monk Ellison. Writing's career has stalled because his work isn't deemed black enough. Monk, a writer and English professor, writes a satirical novel under a pseudonym aiming to expose the publishing world's hypocrisies. The book's immediate success forces him to get deeper enmeshed in his assumed identity and challenges his closely held worldviews. I thought it was one of the sharpest films I've seen this year as far as a comedy. It also portrays the writing process in a very personified way. Like It, it, it allows, the, I feel like Trying to portray a character as a writer and an author when they're trying to, in the writing process can be very difficult and very bland, and they make it very captivating and very um, interesting visually mm-hmm. for the audience to um, be interested in it. And, I mean, the cast is amazing too. Like, I love Jeffrey Wright, Tracy Ellis Ross, Sterling K. Brown, Issa Rae. Uh, they are all just really, really great. Adam Brody's in it too, and I loved him as well. I really just enjoyed this film, and I think that if you were looking for, like, a really sharp comedy, uh, I think this is a great one for the uh, year. And then tonight I am watching Oppenheimer and IMAX 70mm for the third time. So that wow. will be eight films. I feel like you did like a film Olympics. <laughs> I feel like I've done a Broadway show. Like I did a matinee and I did um, an evening one. Yeah. So That's so funny. Uh, wow. I will have seen probably almost every film nominated that could be potentially nominated for best picture, which has always been a goal of mine and like one award season to do that. So I'm really excited that that is very um, close in possibility. Nice. Go you. You can do Thanks. it. Proud Thanks. of you. I'm proud so of you. yeah, my captivation's anyone but you. What is your captivation? Uh, mine's the live action Little Mermaid. I Thank know I'm God you finally so, saw it. I'm so behind. I'm so behind. But I wasn't feeling well yesterday, so I uh, sat down and watched it, and it was just so good. Like best live action in my opinion. Um, I agree. I was honestly blown away with how well it was done. Because mm-hmm. I was like, how in the freaking world are they going to be able to do this well? Um, mm-hmm. Even like down to the like underwater like scenes to when Ursula is huge in the ocean. I was just mm-hmm. like, I was like, wow. And I loved, I think you had said uh, when you had talked about it 
I don't know, like to me a while ago when it probably first came out about how like when they're going through the town, it almost, you forget what you're watching and it's almost like just like a rom-com and it was so sweet. Um, Mm -hmm. I just, I just really loved, I loved who they chose um, to play each character. For her, for Ariel to not have any lines, like when she's human, there is so much chemistry between her and mm-hmm. Prince Eric. Mm-hmm. Like it is so palpable that they are they like each other, and I think that is so well done on Hallie's part, especially because I don't think she really acted before I this know. film. She did a wonderful job. I was I was very um, I was very impressed. I loved the added songs. I even liked Scuttlebutt. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Put some respect on Scuttlebutt. It was you can so tell Lynn Manuel Miranda was like, we're not going to get out of this thing without a rap. It was <laughs> so funny. I was like jamming. I was like, oh, yeah, here we go. But yeah. 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 And, and you brought up a point earlier about like how you, like before you saw it, you're questioning like how they were going to do so much of the music when she like doesn't have her voice. But I love how they like basically made it seem like she was like singing in her head. Yeah, um, here for the first time is yes. uh, like basically it's her in her head kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, it was so good. Uh definitely definitely loved it. I see why you liked it so much now and I should have watched it a million years ago, but it's fine. <laughs> I might rewatch it again this week. <laughs> my, my night film. <laughs> yeah, we got there eventually. So <laughs> that's all that can, yeah. that's all that matters. <laughs> it is I, I, I love it. And then um the guy who plays Prince Eric, his song Uncharted Waters. Yes. I love him. I just, I just love him. Yeah, I just think he's so yeah. cute. And he did a that, great. That he did good. a phenomenal job. He was a great Prince Eric. I was very I need impressed. Shonda Rhimes to get him on Bridgerton. Yes. Oh, he would be perfect. <laughs> he would be amazing. He would be, I, oh my he god, he would be really good. Yes, I need him to be on Bridgerton. I need him to have a season. Thank you so much. That is my one request. I like, I like this request. I, I second that. <laughs> Well, we are so excited for the today's episode. We have Britt Brewer on today. We're talking about how to know that you found the one, how to know you found your own Prince Eric. Mm-hmm. And we are so excited for you guys to listen to this. But before we dive into all of that, make sure you guys are following us on Instagram at the Gals Guide Pod or TikTok at the Gals Guide. If you want to know all my film reviews, follow me on my personal letterbox at Emily Elise. You can also hit me up on at Emily Elise on Instagram, TikTok, wherever you can find me. And then Hannah's is at Hannah Nicole Adams Miller, whatever it whatever is. Whatever it is. <laughs> I, I think it's Hannah Adams Miller on everything, but I'm still Hannah Adams on most things. I don't know. It's confusing. <laughs> Just, it'll be linked in the show it's, notes. It's in the links, okay? <laughs> it's in the show I notes. A, I have a million names. <laughs> But before we get into today's episode, we're going to jump into a couple ad reads and then we'll be right back. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. 
new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Alrighty, gals. So chatting with us today, we have the lovely Britt Burr. She's been published like in many different magazine articles. Like she's done Cosmopolitan, Bustle, Elite Daily. She's a great columnist. And we are having her on today to talk about how to know if you found the one. And this is a topic I feel like we have been wanting to do quite a bit lately, uh, especially after Hannah just celebrated her one year anniversary. So we are so excited to have you on the show today, Britt. Hey, thanks for having me. I just really have wanted to do this kind of episode mainly for me um, because (laughs) I um, am perpetually single and I keep dating people that I think are the one, but they're not the one. Uh, But uh, I am really excited to talk about this. I know Hannah's really excited as well because there's, I mean, there's a lot that she is definitely personally like given me advice over the years about how her and her relationship has worked and we're going to dive into all of that but I mean before we get into all of that we would love for the gals to get to know you a little bit more and one way we do that is by act- asking our guests what is something that they're just currently captivated by so do you have like a current captivation yes I have many I'm a I have ADHD, so I'm a very big like hobby binger. Same, same. And <laughs> anything from like making fancy ice cubes to nail art or something, I'm always into something. And presently, um, painting has kind of come back mm-hmm. on the scene. It's very, uh, it's it's not good, but it's happening. It's and it's taking up space and time. <laughs> so that's one. But additionally, is Real Housewives of Beverly Hills just landed two seasons on Netflix, and so. I definitely recognize I'm late to the game, but I am in the game and I am obsessed. And these seasons have like more than 20 episodes. Oh, oh my gosh. So, so also all I, Yeah, I've not watched them. So Hannah does not watch <laughs> any reality show television. <laughs> Hannah Hey, is... that's not true. Oh. That's not true. That's not true. I have watched Selling OC, Selling Sunset. I've watched um okay. what's the one with Heidi Montag? What's the it Hills? Oh, The Hills? The Hills. What else? That's and then you, sometimes, you watch one season of The Bachelor. Sometimes <laughs> I could not. Okay, I but I so I live in West Hollywood and I live like down the street from like R.I.P. Pump um, and Tom Tom and Sir and all that. So I just I was forced to start watching Vanderpump Rules out of like peer pressure from just my vicinity and like zip code and everything. So I I, I am just now I haven't transitioned over to the real housewives era that whole world yet because i mean i feel like it's a really intimidating like reality series to kind of like jump into because there's just so much oh the lore it's like there's just so much happening there are so many seasons that what's happening now i'm out of touch with because i'm just on the precipice here Mm -hmm. but vanderpump i got very into very recently which is a weird experience because like Stasi, for example, who's like the fashion mm-hmm. one, is wearing a sock bun because it's like early two thousands, <laughs> yeah. presumably. I started wa- I like literally like a couple weeks ago, like during the holiday break, I watched I think like the pilot episode of Vanderpump and I like I know who all the people are, like just after the whole like scandal thing that happened, uh I mm-hmm. uh I, I know who um 
Tom Schwartz is and Tom Scandival is. And just looking at them, like, in the first episode to, like, now, the fashion, right? the makeup, it's hysterical. Like, just the juxtaposition, it's astounding. It is nuts. And I just live for it because they're also, um, they're really unhinged in a way you don't really see on polished reality TV right now. True. Like, it's, things are, they're, like, going out back of the restaurant to have a smoke. And I'm, like, it just feels so 90s energy. Whereas now on reality TV, they're allowed to have, like, one drink and everything's so monitored. But it just, it feels really, like, gritty and kind of as gritty as, like, an L.A. reality show can be. But I love it. Hmm. I'm telling Maybe you, I Hannah. Need to jump on one of these. I'm telling I you, Hannah. Know. You need to. <laughs> you must. Okay. You would recommend to a okay. friend. I'll, I'll, I'll pick one. Would. I'll eeny, meeny, miny, mo and pick one. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I've heard like Do Salt it. Lake City's great. I've heard Potomac's great. Like I've, I've, I would recommend all. Uh, those are the two I probably would recommend, even though I have not watched any of them. Um, those are the ones that I've heard are like okay. the biggest <laughs> ones, according to my friends who are all into it. Got it. But I'm on it today. So we got we, obviously on Vanderbump. You're not going to probably find the one that you're wanting to be with. <laughs> like, let's be real. That is probably not the place to go looking for your soulmate. But we wanted to talk to you a little bit about like you as like you would you identify yourself as like as a relationship columnist in a way? Because I mean, you've done journalism, but a lot of the articles that we've seen like definitely covered like sex, dating and love. Yeah, I would say that's a, a huge part of my body of work is that I was in the news world for a long time and on a non-compete. So I couldn't write about that type of thing. And immediately when I left the news space, I was like, pitches everywhere. That's all I want to write about. It's just it's very intriguing to me. It's something that everyone can relate to. And so, yeah. And from that, I'm certainly not a therapist, but I've interviewed tons and learned so much. And I just, I love sharing everything I've learned throughout that exploration and like research and writing and learning. So yeah, I would say that's a good identification. Yeah, totally. I, what drew you like, besides just like the appeal of like, I feel like Sex in the City and a lot of other media that has like been making I feel like a lot of women like our age like interested in like writing about like love relationships I mean we started the gals guide and originally we're making it more just solely about dating and love and we've expanded it to so much more what Mm -hmm. drew you to wanting to um kind of cover that and write about that I think it's I've always been a very very curious person and I've had a lot of questions for everyone and I think that that is it is so much more with the topics that are typically not talked about and dating and relationships, that's not taboo, but when it comes to like the sex and attraction and the more difficult parts of dating, those are Mm -hmm. not as talked about. And the, the feeling you get when you're in a room, particularly with other women and you say like, I'm experiencing this and everyone pipes up and agrees and you realize something you've been feeling isolated in is a universal experience, if not a common one. That to me is just such a, special and necessary feeling that I really want to leave no stones unturned Mm -hmm. and there's there are so few dating related things we can go through that someone else hasn't gone through and that someone else hasn't found the perfect vocabulary for to just help you have the the validation that maybe you're not getting in the relationship or in the lack of relationship so it's kind of just about pointing to things that is like hey there's a there's an angle here if you're feeling this someone else is too Mm -hmm. so let's talk about it yeah Mm -hmm. I love that so 
with the topic that we're talking about today, uh, how to know that if you found the one, again, that gets started, I said at the beginning of this episode, that is a, uh, a topic that I have personally struggled with because I feel like I've found many the ones, but uh, we always joke on the podcast that Hannah kind of got it right the first go around, um, even though, so her husband, uh, they were high school sweethearts. And they obviously they broke up when they, you know, were older, much adults, and they took like a very like long time like apart from each other, dated other people, and really found themselves and then they came back together as adults and you guys got married in twenty twenty one? October twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty one. No, twenty ten no, sorry. Twenty twenty two. Twenty twenty two. It Sorry, honestly- it was the reason I, it was October 21st, 2022. I was like, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> it yes. feels like you've been 2022 together. 2022 for- is the year, the 21st. Forever. Like forever, though. <laughs> it does. But uh, I yes. would love for you to tell a little bit to Britt about like your story and how did you know that your husband like was the one? Oh, that's so interesting because I so we we started dating when I was fifteen, about to turn sixteen, um, in high school, and I, it's so bizarre to me because I used to tell all my friends in high school that I was going to marry him, <laughs> which is so funny because just like the trajectory of our entire relationship. So we dated like it was very casual, like kept very casual, like high school, um, you know, relationship and. Um, I was like infatuated with him. Um, there were so many guys that wanted to date me in high school that I just like wouldn't <laughs> date because I was like, no, he's gonna he's gonna come back to me. Like you were so easily <laughs> like, he's desired. Back. But he was he was a, he was a bit of a excuse my language like a fuck boy in high school. So um, so yeah. So I was very I don't know like there was just something about him that just. I mean, I was like, it's probably like my friends were like, it's probably just because it's your first love and, you know, all those things. But there was just something about him that really intrigued me. And and I felt this sense of like home when I was with him. Um, and he was the only guy that I had ever been with where I like really just like couldn't stop listening to him. Like, you know, my mind didn't ever trail off. Or I didn't ever get bored with the subjects we discussed or you know, all those things. And I just felt really safe. Um, and then we broke up and, um, you know, I went off to college. I dated somebody else for five years. I thought that person was the one. Um, but the last year of that relationship, um, he basically changed. And then when I broke up with him, he told me that that whole last year he was questioning whether or not he could marry me. So that was fun uh, to find out that I really <laughs> was correct in, in my intuition of like, this is not the person that I'm supposed to marry. Okay. They didn't even know if they wanted to marry me after five years of dating. So um, okay. after ending that relationship, I I will never forget. I've told Emily a million times I was in an old Navy dressing room and I get a text from my current husband and it was just totally out of the blue. Like we really, we kept in touch like on and off, but it was never really anything more than just like a, Hey, what's like, what's going on. But this time, you know, he was like, are you like, what's your status? Like, are you single? Are you engaged? He thought I was engaged. Um, okay. And so then we kind of just went from there. And honestly, I made him wait a very long time before we went out on our second first date because I like really needed time to like heal myself from that five-year relationship and find myself again. I was so consumed with 
with that whole thing. So um, I took the time and then we went out on our date and then the rest is history. But I don't know. I, I just still felt felt that like sense of home with him and, and very safe. And um, like it, I didn't feel like I had to put on a mask at all in any situation for him. Like I could truly be myself. And I feel like that's something that's really, really hard to find. I feel like even whenever you're going on your dates and I think the familiarity of him was just a little bit easier in the beginning, but I feel like when you go on a date, you almost have this persona about yourself. And I didn't ever feel like I really needed to do that. Like I felt like I could just be who I was. And if he didn't like me for that, then clearly that wasn't the person for me. So that's kind of in a nutshell because I could talk about it forever, but kind of how, how I got to where I am. And, you know, we've, we've been married a little over a year and it's been great. And, I'm super excited to do life with him and I can't wait for Emily to find her person because then we can talk about being married. <laughs> I can't wait to find and I can come either. to your wedding. <laughs> They're It'd out there. It would be great to find out. Hopefully we'll figure it out today how I can find out if the person I'm going to go on a date with from Hinge is the one or not. <laughs> yes. Is that a common thing that Go you feel on. like, Brit? though, that you feel like people, like, often get that, like, that home sensation whenever, like, you would say, like, they've met the one? Because that is a feeling that I personally, I've had before with, mm, what? Mm, <laughs> one? I was going to say I, one. I want to say one, but I feel like it's, I feel like it's one and a half. <laughs> one and a half. One and a half, and I'm the half. So, every guy I date on this show, um, we give them nicknames, and I would say the ones that I have felt the sense of home with were being um, my college best friend, and then uh, the half is the actor. I would say he doesn't remind me necessarily of home too much because he is from Peru, so like. It's not really, like, home at all, but there is that sense of, like, comfort and um, easeability that were – whenever I was in those relationships, Mm -hmm. it was something to where I could always just be my authentic self and never had to put on a mask, like Hannah says. And – For sure. I always felt like that I was 1000% myself, but then I felt like the person, you know, I've gone on, th- I've gone on three iconic dates in my life. And after those three iconic dates, I text Hannah and I'm like, I'm going to marry this man. And then we break up six months later. Um, so I, I think six that, month curse. <laughs> I think that it's it just, I, I, I have a habit of putting on blinders. I have a habit of do- often seeing someone's potential instead of what they're actually like giving me. And yeah, I'm just, Mm -hmm. I'm ready just to learn how to identify the signs of like healthy communication with somebody and how to know if this person is, I guess, meeting me at the same level that I'm meeting them at. Right. I mean, I think that what Hannah's describing, which is that the really beautiful and kind of undescribable comfort that you feel with that person should a newer relationship should not be held to that standard by any means because the only thing that can get you there, there's, of course, the relationship, but also the passage of time mm-hmm. and time spent together. But I'm always saying that, you know how with your family, you're kind of 
almost like the worst version of yourself <laughs> like you're kind of just like a little bit shitty and a little it's, bit it's kind of it's totally like just revert to 17 shithead but I do it and I feel like I'm not a huge I'm not I mean you can hear me I'm super monotone I'm not super ed- emotive but with with people that I feel mutual and unconditional love with, I like will cry and I will um, be very visibly stressed and not just appear okay all the time. Mm-hmm. And you do that type of thing when you feel unconditional love and that feeling of home is because that's what you're like with a family. If you're, if you're in a family situation where you feel unconditional love and that's where you kind of settle in with a, a partner where it's like, they're your person where you, you can be your worst self around and it doesn't bring you like fear and anxiety and sorry, I shouldn't have been like that. You, you want them to see that you want Mm -hmm. to emote as much as you can so they can understand where you're at. And so you can work through it together. And that's, that's something that you get after years with someone and understanding each other. Um, And honestly, feeling that type of closeness really quickly off the jump can be really confusing too because that can come from a lot of things like love bombing or just being really stoked on what you think the person is all about but I also am a huge proponent of the backslide I have had two really amazing relationships that started ended and then restarted and we're like we're so much more sure and so much more in it and I think you my partner now we're five years in and we're just, we're super, super solid. And we right in the beginning, I broke up with him because I just scared myself. And there was like a power dynamic. Um, and I just kind of like ran away. And then I was like, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> and I came back and the power dynamic had shifted completely because I was confronted with losing him. And I think that I'm not saying everyone like go break up with your partner and get back <laughs> together with them. But I think you're, you're like 10 times more sure um, when you've confronted the potential of not being with them. Um, but yeah, so I like your story. I think it's, you guys sound so strong. And um, but the signs that you've found someone uh, that it could really work is they're really different when you're just kind of dating and it's multi-stage too because you meet someone brand new and it's it's a lot more about compatibility and attraction and a lot less about what the relationship is going to look like because you kind of have to just see is this even worth feeling out together Mm -hmm. and then once you kind of are falling into that that's when it's like do we see this through and I'm a huge advocate for whatever and do it anyway because you know when people are like oh I don't even for example you get on a dating app and it's like what do what are you looking for and you have to say I'm looking for something serious I'm looking for something casual or whatever and already you're ruling out a bunch of people who you could have a really nice connection with and a lot of fun with and you don't really walk into like if you meet someone at a bar you're not like hey are you trying to marry me right now? Or is this casual or what's going on? (laughs) Yeah. So it just makes it kind of this weird disingenuous thing where normally you meet someone and you try your hardest and hope that you align. And so I think walking into things, just being like, let's see, worst case scenario, I hate two hours of my life because this person sucks or, or I meet a new friend Mm -hmm. and best case I meet a partner, like amazing. That's definitely, I feel like, the outlook that I've had, especially, like, on a lot of my dating life, and Hannah will back me up on this, that I haven't chased a man since 2012. 
And I have not liked a man first since 2012. And that was my college best friend. And he broke my heart. And then here we are. I was like, nope, never again. So any guy that I've dated, they've always been the one to heavily pursue me. And then it would come to a point where I'm like, why not? Let's just, let's give it a shot. Let's give it a try. Let's see where this goes. And then I'm like, why did I do that? (laughs) But at the same time, I've reminded myself on multiple occasions that I always bounce back, that I have that much, I have a lot of resilience when it comes to, you know, getting my heart broken and then, you know, still being able to like, pour love into myself and to other people after I've been heartbroken and to not let that just jade me uh, because that's not fun. And I don't want to go around, I feel like, with that jadedness all the time because I think that also just like, mm-hmm. it just, it, it, it wears off on your aura and I feel like it just makes people not, even friends want to be like around you, especially if you're the person and our longtime listeners they get used to it, I feel like. But if you're the person that's always harping, like, on that, oh, I was, like, Tom hurt me, like, in the seventh grade or whatever, and I've never been able to move on from it. Yeah. No one wants to be around that person. And so I think I've always just tried to, you know, just go into it with what's the worst that can happen in this relationship. And that I feel like I, I always also think about um, if you've ever seen the movie, He's Just Not That Into You where uh yeah yeah the one of the girls i cannot remember her name but she's like the the lead girl with like the really cute round face and short curly hair and uh she has been she's been told like she's like the rule she's not the exception and she i think she says something like i may do a lot of dumb shit but at least i might putting myself out there And I feel like that has been, like, the whole motto that I've just tried to go by. Like, at least I'm putting myself out there. Like, there are times where I definitely will take breaks from dating because I just need to for my own mental health and, like, just get my priorities in order. But I've never felt like, oh, this person hurt me so bad. I'm never going to give anybody else a shot. And I think that that resilience could be admirable. I just wish I could also find that in 20 to 30-year-old men. (laughs) my way of saying that yes <laughs> but yes i what go ahead what you described like the um this is it is so textbook and i'm i'm going to generalize but i understand that not everyone falls into this category yeah. but what what men love to do is have this like extreme love logic dichotomy and so they come on extremely strong they're so stoked they're like treating you like their damn wife and then they turn around and the second you match their energy they're like oh my god you're trying to marry me right now and they get scared and it's they're essentially scaring themselves away by you matching their energy and it's it is so infuriating because it's they're they're assuming your side of things when you've just been taking signs and matching energy mm-hmm. and they're like well obviously you're you're now into me and you want something serious and so i'm going to talk you down even though i you took a while to even meet me up here i'm going to talk you down mm-hmm. so it's this hugely frustrating thing and it's i've seen so many people go through it i've been there and it it really does suck because it makes you feel crazy and it makes you feel like um nothing that they did was 
like that you were misreading mm -hmm. everything when like you're not you you're a sane person you understand you're there's two people in the room all these things happen mm -hmm. but it is really frustrating and I think that their logic kicks in and they just realize they got deeper than they intended faster than they intended mm -hmm. um and then they project it onto you versus being like oh whoops I was just love bombing the hell out of her and then finally she accepted my advances and now I'm terrified, yeah. but it happens all the time and it's, it's hard to reconcile. And honestly, I, I really kind of turned it around and became the really bold one and didn't even like, I was just like, if, if anything here is about to scare you away, the sooner the better. So goodbye. Like if you ask my boyfriend right now, what he thought of me in the beginning, he's like I have asked him and he's like, you were very bold. Cause I was just like, whatever. Yeah. I have nothing to lose. Yeah. Who cares? Well, that's what I was going to ask. That was my next question. I was going to ask you is when it comes to like, you know, dating, is it better? Do you think just to be so upfront with like your intentions and your goals, so, like just to make sure you're all aligned on the same page without scaring the other person in some way? Because I feel like there's a lot of girls, they, they know what they want. But sometimes they can be too shy or they can be too anxious to um, to to say that, you know, hey, like I am looking for marriage. I'm not saying I want to marry you, but I, I am I am looking for a serious commitment from somebody. And I feel like a lot of girls are just scared to say that because they don't want to scare the guy away in some way. Do you find that there's any like healthy, clear cut way that to, to help somebody who is might be too scared to like just be bold and upfront about it? My perspective on saying what you're looking for is that while you might be looking for marriage for your life, and that's like a goal and a value for you, and it kind of guides what you're doing, you might not be looking for marriage with this person. And so you don't, to tell them isn't really necessary because unless they're specifically saying, hey, I'm not looking for anything monogamous, I don't want to date or something like that you actually have to date and see if you even are looking for that mm -hmm. with them. Um, Cause otherwise I feel that if you set the intention of, Hey, I want you to know I'm looking for something really serious. Like I'm in this when you hardly know someone and you haven't really felt it out yet. You, and even if they go for it, you might spend a lot of time trying to fit them into that box, even when it doesn't fit. Mm -hmm. So you, you pressurize it for you mm -hmm. as well as mm -hmm. for them when really it, what you're actually looking for is, to to date to have open communication and respect and to see if it could be a long-term mm -hmm. thing but you you don't know you might you might hate them on month one so why even bother letting them know that you want a husband it might not even be them mm -hmm. not putting all your yeah. eggs like into like one basket all of a sudden yeah and I think if if you start with that you're you're seeking out a marriage versus seeking out a successful relationship with this individual uh, mm -hmm. it's kind of like mm -hmm. it, ju it just pressurizes everything and it really gets away from the relationship right in front of you I think certainly you should make your intentions known about if you're uh, if you're looking for something monogamous um and if you're if you're not someone who wants something casual that you could totally like have a few dates and once you're starting to feel like you want to broach the what's going on here mm -hmm. conversation <laughs> go for that like you don't want gray area you absolutely want to say your intentions in a more micro way mm -hmm. like zoom zoom in a lot more and just kind of say like hey I'm not I'm not seeing anyone else and I don't really want to how does that make you feel and if they're like terrified then I would say 
sayonara but if they're like same then great yeah 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 I like that it's worth knowing if someone doesn't ever want to get married and more like defining the relationship versus like you said I feel like the subconscious like your subconscious would be like trying to mold them into this person or overlooking things that you maybe wouldn't have if you didn't have the thought that thought to begin with if that makes sense so totally yeah 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 that's that's exactly it because every relationship is different like I've had partners where it's felt like marriage didn't super matter to either of us enough that like maybe that wouldn't have been a thing though we were really committed and I've had partners where they're like kids are a hundred percent like I'm having kids that's non-negotiable and I want to be married and so your goals do shift with partners too and there's I, I mean the goal is just like a really good amazing relationship presumably so it's the the smaller conversations along the way to make sure that you're on the same page and then you find out kind of I think it's more like the values like the high level values are they about to like blow up their life and move abroad tomorrow or something like those are the things you'd want to know mm-hmm. probably more mm-hmm. yeah I feel like the root of the root of all of it is just having like more healthy communication as your foundation and I feel like there are some people out there that think oh if I'm just like completely blunt regardless of like their emotions their feelings if I'm just like I'm just saying how it is I just speak my mind kind of person they think that that's being healthy but that's not always healthy and I would love your opinion on like what are like some ways you can help healthily communicate um your feelings and like your emotions especially early on in a relationship versus years down the line for me it's this sounds like a therapy speak but (laughs) it's to like own own your side of things and I think like my boyfriend I'm I'm really never not talking like I'm I'm never like yelling I'll always be talking like this but when I talk to him about something he like it's as if I'm screaming in his face like he's like so like so startled and he just gets like very like oh okay I will never I won't do and I'm like I'm not confronting you at all like we're we're having a little chat <laughs> so I've been very like okay he like he thinks that if I'm talking about something that's kind of serious that I'm like shaking him down and I'm gonna be like screaming at him or something so I've really started to be more um, like, hey, listen, this is like, you kind of have to come at something knowing what you want out of it. Um, like if you just want to say your piece and it doesn't really matter what they say, that's one thing. But if you need to hear something from them, you kind of have to tell them because a lot of conversations you have in relationships end up being really unfulfilling because you come in and you just kind of say a thing. And you don't, you didn't know ahead of time that you wanted to hear something from them in return, Mm -hmm. or you wanted them to receive it in a certain way. So I think saying, I'm feeling this and I'm needing this so that they can kind of understand what you even want in that moment. And that it's not just to like, talk at them and then leave. Or if you're like, I need to hear this from you, or what have you. But a big thing about bringing up issues or tough conversations is that's actually a really good way to know if you're in kind of like a really amazing relationship Mm -hmm. is if you're really afraid, especially in the beginning, this is a really good sign that um, you might kind of be the reacher is if you're terrified to tell your, the person you're seeing or your partner about any issues you're having or confront them about anything. And it's because like you always know in your gut. And unfortunately when someone's like holding you at arm's length, 
you will be as delusional as possible <laughs> to talk yourself into being like, no, 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 it's everything's good. This is so chill. I love having a pit in my stomach all the time. <laughs> so you'll never say like, I, <laughs> I just love that feeling. And, <laughs> I've been there. Yeah, just you're like love crying fine. every night. It's, it's fine. <laughs> At least my skin's gonna be hydrated totally. and just like the stress. <laughs> Oh, and like this, the stress relationship with the phone where you're just like, you're like or like you'll for stay the text re- or ready or you like, Always. or you stay up so late just to like, see if they're going to reply. Like the, mm, yeah. Yikes. Red yeah. flags, red flags. <laughs> but like that sucks. And yeah. if you're in a stable relationship, you could say like, hello, like check in with me sometimes. But if you're, if you feel like the power dynamic is off and like they have more power, you're not going to speak up. And mm-hmm. so that's a really good gut check to be like, do I express my needs at all? Do I even know what they are? Or am I just like fighting for my life to stay relevant here? And am I worried that if I tell them how I feel that they're gone? Because all of those things are like, get out of there. Mm -hmm. But you just you kind of just have to do say your side, no matter what, and really recognize if when and why you're really afraid to because that's it's really telling you use the term reacher can you explain that a little bit more because i actually have never heard anybody like use that terminology and it's in relationships i guess i don't know if it's like proper like no yeah but i'm there's like the person who's like there's always like a reacher and then a settler. And so there's someone who's like Mm. kind of thinks that they're someone who really believes that they're like punching up Uh and is just like fighting for dear life. And then there's someone who really believes that they're settling or at least has an awareness that they can treat this other person however they wish or that they have the power. And being the reacher is you're, you will accept little tiny scraps as love and affection and you'll be like oh but that one time he sent me that nice message seven weeks ago and you'll just be like no no everything's fine and it ends up like really breeding an anxious attachment style for the poor sweet reacher Mm -hmm. tragically Mm -hmm. yeah I have the audacity to sit here and be the reacher when I have this face and (laughs) the men that I be dating that are the settlers um really it's me who's settling because they (laughs) should not have the audacity um mm-hmm. i'm really but doing a lot of introspection right so here that you're no i have i have 100 percent been there and when someone is like when you're in the reacher position you are too busy scrambling to make them give you like human respect you don't even stop to be like do i even like this person for heaven's sakes because i look back and positions when i was in those positions and i'm like if they dropped a knee and asked me to marry them i would have been like i i don't like you at all but they never gave me that chance and i was like i love you i love you i love you well and emily you've said it before too like if if the men you've been with treated me that way you would be like girl what are you that's doing? That's the thing. That is the like, thing. Ever since I've left these relationships, I've had other friends who have gotten into similar relationships. And I'm like, drop why? that man. And, and then I'm like, <laughs> drop that man. Drop that woman. Well, I'm, I, dro- I dropped that person. Yes, like, um, honestly, I'm, I'm yes. like, multiple. I'm like, because I'm like, it's not just straight relationships. I have had many gay friends that have also been similar relationships. And I'm like, so women can sometimes be just as bad as men. Okay, cool. That's great. Um, like I, I, I really, 
I, 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 and I, I think it's because I hate seeing my friends not being treated the way that I see them and how great and how wonderful and beautiful I think that they are. And then I'm like, huh, why don't I think the same thing about myself? I should go back to therapy. <laughs> no, it's the, it's the dynamic. Like mm-hmm. it is not, it, certainly it can, it can be like a pattern or whatever, like the, the mm-hmm. role you take, but it's the dynamic. And I, none of my relationships have been the same, but I've been in those situations and it, it makes you feel so much smaller than you are. And it makes you second guess everything. And you're too busy dissecting everything to figure out if it is what you think it is. Mm-hmm. So you're not, you're not in this like stable, amazing position. And that's actually, of course, I like wrote a list of ways to tell you found Oh no, we'd love to hear them. Of Do it. List, it's, of course, I was like, and I'll get right to it. But <laughs> the main thing is the power dynamic. Mm-hmm. And like in those relationships, things, things always, a friend of mine who's a relationship therapist said that there's always a high, a higher needs partner and a lower needs partner. That might be like in terms of needing affirmation or sex drive or whatever. Mm-hmm. And if you're pretty lined up, it'll still shift a bit, but sometimes it's just like this and whatever. But so that will happen. People have different needs, but if the power dynamic is off, things will never be healthy, stable, comfortable. You'll never have that home feeling. You'll never be your authentic self because one of you is always scrambling and one of you is always afraid that you're going to lose the other or that they're going to, like, they just have so much leverage because you feel like they have the power. And when I talk about, like, when my current boyfriend, when we, I broke up with him for a short period is because I, I had all of the power because when we met, I was just in a really transient state and I was like seeing a couple people and I didn't really care and I think that like the seemingly unattainable nature of just my situation when we finally got together I had all the power and I knew it and I wasn't being a good version of myself and I could tell that he was really anxious all the time and I was like I hate myself I can't do this Mm -hmm. so I left but then after I left I became an absolute desperate loser and was like oh my god I'm obsessed with him why did (laughs) I do that but then we're we're even now like completely even I relate to that so well (laughs) but it was (laughs) but we've all been there and like the power dynamic brings out the desperate loser in you and it sucks and you're like this ain't me what the hell's happening but when you feel that that no sole person in the relationship holds the power at least not like consistently and ongoingly that's when it's like comfortable. Mm. And if you're starting off new things like you're describing with like an immediate power imbalance where you're letting things fly that should never fly and you're not like stating your terms, things don't happen on your terms if if you never say them. And if you don't even take times to be like, what are my damn terms? I have no idea right Mm. now because I'm just catering to this other person. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to really, you can't really come back from that. Yeah. That's a good point. Mm. I really like that. What other, uh, you, you said you have a list. What other ones do you have? Well, let's see. So, okay, this is a concept I um, have been thinking about a lot. I'm a big reader, and so it's, it's, it's book-themed by accident. But I find that relationships, romantic relationships, tend to be either character-driven or plot-driven. And Ooh. I find that the relationships – we saw this so much during COVID – the relationships that are plot driven 
are very fragile because they are based on like the adventures you do together and being very social and other people in the room and travel and things like that, your, your shared interests or what have you, but the relationships that are character driven, you're just, you just vibe with this person so well, you love them so much. You could be grocery shopping or literally like moving or something that sucks. And it's so fun. Right. Those are the best friends. Those are the Mm -hmm. best partners. And so if it's the, if it's the person over the plot, the relationship's bulletproof. But if it's the plot, like pandemics happen, you know, like you never know. I'm realizing yeah. that. Um, yeah. <clears throat> my are last. You, are you doing? Are you plot. doing it for the plot? Are you doing it for the plot? <laughs> I'm a screenwriter. What do you expect? <laughs> it's all plot, baby. All plot. I'm a writer director. <laughs> what do you expect? <laughs> um yeah you gotta really- get into the headspace like like me where we just like write oh we write stuff that we either like see or made up it's not always about us <laughs> <laughs> realizing that like the actor was only the only for the plot like it was that whole relationship was a plot mm. Just a whole thing. Just Met on a film really. set. Like it was, you know, it was like it was, story. Literally, a literal it was a little story. It was a movie. It was a movie within a, a movie. <laughs> That's how it was. It was, it, yeah. it was a movie within a movie. <laughs> it was a movie. With- Those are the ones, though, that end up so with the crazy power dynamics because mm-hmm. it's like you're really chasing the high of that initial whirlwind and you're just, you don't really have anything to fall back on. Whereas like currently my partner and I have our interests are night and day. Like I am such a house cat and he is like climbing L cap. Like I'm like, we're, we're very different people, but our, our time spent together, it just like matters so much and our high level values line up and we both like enjoy, we're both really independent and it it is so not the plot. Like we love stuff when we travel together and do stuff together. But if you boil that all away, like we had the time of our lives during lockdown, like hanging out together mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And so it, if you're going to, relationships are going to go through pressure tests and you can survive it if it's all about the person, but you absolutely can if it's about like things needing to be like really good and high plot, fun plot. Like it just, it doesn't happen that way. So yeah. that's, kind, that's kind of like my main one, I suppose. And like Hannah, what you're describing, like it sounds like it's so for the person because you've gone through so many different life stages and it's still like, you're still all about one another. Oh yeah, we have the time of our lives having a margarita at Mexican and walking Target. Like, <laughs> like you know. <laughs> That's it. That's it. <laughs> but also, we love we love to do things like travel and things like that. But like you said, like mm-hmm. we we have so much fun just like being together. And I think I feel very comfortable and confident in in that and in our relationship. So don't do it for the plot. Oh, well. Do it for the characters. <laughs> Listen, that's the takeaway. <laughs> Listen, it's not like you can't really engineer it, but. Something to be aware of. <laughs> I'm going to look on the lookout for characters, not the plot. <laughs> My next characters. Re- Got it. Yeah, Character gotta... development. Okay. <laughs> look. Okay. More I'm like developed. Sally Rooney. <laughs> not for you. For others. <laughs> It's fine. Oh, it's okay. fine. It's fine. It's <laughs> just getting read to filth in this episode. It's okay. It's fine. <laughs> what else is on your give list? Give me uh give me what 
what's your I'm curious what's what's your context right now like you said you've been single for a while perpetually yes um there is I don't have a there's no one on a roster there's not a list um it was essentially the last person I was involved with uh was an on and off thing for about like two years Hannah met yeah. like literally the day lockdown happened uh that was like our first date um, and then- I think I I think that's been four years <laughs> right Uh-oh. was it COVID like four, four years, years ago? 2020 yeah 2020 <laughs> I know <laughs> we had our first date March 14 2020 Oh my god. Okay. Yeah. So oh dear. so it's it's a four it's been four, four, four and it years. officially ended <laughs> last year. Last May. So when we were yes. like, okay, we can't keep yes. doing this on and off thing. Um doing and so this, within that right, yeah. it was me just taking time to kind after since then just taking time to uh kind of just be by myself because I also feel like sometimes when I'm in relationships that I easily get distracted and make I get my priorities mixed up. And um, I also had like a really bad year last year. Like I had a very close friend die and uh, I just really was like, I'm, I don't have the energy to focus on anybody else but, but myself right now. And then I also, I, I really wanted to cultivate more female friendships in my life. So just like men in general, like the idea of like a man being like entertaining my space at all was like not even at the forefront of my mind. And then with this year, I was like, well, you know, I do, I, I, I miss having a companionship. I think especially also because my roommate just got a boyfriend and they are just adorable together. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I kind of miss that. I kind of miss, you know, having that companion. And I, I, Hannah will tell you when I'm in my lover era, like when I am my lover girl, like I am like the biggest and I will go all out. And I feel like sometimes when I do that, especially early on, it gets taken advantage of. So I'm also just trying to like learn um, how to be myself, but without giving too much of myself away, if that makes sense. Yep, totally. But I think like when I say like be bold, Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean – take no shit Mm -hmm. like it you can you can be bold in all aspects meaning bold with your feelings and letting people know how you feel but also bold in calling people out and like I came on super strong with my boyfriend right now but I remember he still makes fun of me for this because I we were we met and I lived in a different city Mm -hmm. uh, but we're from the same hometown we didn't know each other oddly enough but I went back but we were still chatting and like talking on the phone and he he was like trying to be a cool guy because he was feeling like a desperate loser at the time. And I sent him a song and I was like, Hey, I think he'd really like this. And he said like something like K or like K period or like really brushed it off. And I literally called him and was like, what's that all about? (laughs) And he was like, what? And he was like, sorry, I was trying to be cool. I didn't think you would call me. And I was just like, Like, just because I'm like so forthcoming with you doesn't mean you can be a shit. And he, but like, that and that kind of like set the tone I know, you know, I like where that. I'm like yeah I'm gonna be really honest and I'm gonna be like very present and very here and I'm gonna like be really very very obviously into you and unabashed about it but that doesn't mean that you can just like be shitty mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. I like That's that a good point I like that like That's not being a, not being afraid not being afraid to call out the bullshit as well as being like super 
confident in yourself and your feelings. I like that because I think that part gets overlooked a lot. Like you feel like you have to walk on eggshells in the beginning, but also like, no, you don't. Yeah. Like I'm going to put that fire out now because if you continue, like this isn't going to work. <laughs> so. True. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And it kind of offsets things a bit because I think that when, when you come on strong in the beginning, but you're not coming on strong with like the negative things and calling people out, you are perceived as someone who has no boundaries. Mm. And so people will take it, they will take advantage. And when people are really unbounded, they, people expect them to be hyper available and really flexible and like the chill girl, which is disgusting. And that's nobody should be expected to be any type of thing like that. But if you are bold, but also bounded and you're like, for instance, if they're like, hey, do you want to come do this thing? You can so easily be like, I don't have any interest in that. It doesn't interest me. And you don't have to be like, yes, of course, I want to go do this thing that I have never alleged to ever want to do in my life. Like you can just totally be you and have boundaries and be like, no, I don't want to hang out tonight. And just like be the honesty piece is like, if you're being honest with them and yourself, that's like, you're still being bold. Mm -hmm. You're just being honest and not like, burning yourself out because I do the same thing like when I I used to say that I was like really addicted to infatuation like the beginnings of relationships mm. was like my shit and I lived for it and I like loved the like the flirting and I almost kind of liked the like butterfly slash pit in the stomach feeling mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I would absolutely like every other facet of my life would fall into the trash can like it would be like I'm staying out late on weeknights because I want to hang out with this person and like work is piling up and I'm not seeing others and they become your priority but it's you're focused on them but it's really like the feeling that you're so into yeah. and so having firm boundaries with yourself where it's like it can be something as specific and like I'm really shitty at boundaries and my therapist talks to me about this all the time but like saying okay I'm usually available on Wednesday and Thursday nights. So from now on, only one of them can be booked up. And like, nobody gets beyond that boundary. If the person you're seeing is like, what about Thursday? No, sorry. I have plans and the plan might be hanging out with yourself, but just like kind of a no exception set of boundaries. Mm -hmm. It actually makes you way much more attractive because they just like, they see that you respect yourself and yeah. you're, you're into them, but you're not like, not in spite of yourself. I like that Dang. idea. I, I like wish that. we had had this conversation before I went to the workforce. <laughs> <laughs> I have no, I have no boundaries. I have no boundaries Dang. at work. <laughs> but Dang. you are so well at boundaries so in your relationship. I yes. I, I think, I don't know. I don't know why. I'm good yeah. with, I'm good with it here, but at work, I'm like, yes, sure. I'll do that. <laughs> yes. I can talk right now. <laughs> I'm like, <sighs> whereas like i feel like i'm the opposite i am excellent with work boundaries and uh well and i feel like the difference between like work and relationship is like work only knows like work uh work's vision of me and like how they perceive me is based on my work ethic whereas like my relationships mm -hmm. are based on who i am as a person so i think it's kind of what you were talking about earlier Britt, like being able to differentiate those two things and like really focus on showing yourself as the person and not getting so hung up on like, what can I do for you kind of thing. So totally. Yeah. Hmm. I've learned so much and I have so much to reflect on I know. after this. 
but this is kind of <laughs> go the, this journal. Is, this is kind of the episode I feel like I needed as like for January for the start of the year, like with my resolution being like to get back out there and to start dating again. I feel like this is the episode that I kind of needed, and I hope that the gals also kind of needed that too. But before we wrap up everything, Britt, one thing that we like to kind of end every episode with is a survival tip. So after the, everything we've talked about today, uh, what would be your survival tip for helping the gals? find their one. Oh my god I have I have so many coming to mind you can be multiple <laughs> number one <laughs> just <laughs> listen um I think the the like key and like the start and the end of it all no matter how deep in you are if it's a first date if it's like marital issues whatever is you have to have to have to trust your gut because in in these situations you know like when you are in the reaching position, you know, and the biggest thing is the biggest way to tell if someone is not into you or if it's not working or whatever, is that you're too afraid to ask. Mm. Cause the only time when you're too afraid to ask is when you know, you're not going to like the answer. So if you're too afraid to ask, just regroup, let yourself know what exactly do I want? What do I need? What am I getting? What am I lacking? Mm. And have that tough conversation because it's going to come out one way or another. You might as well stop torturing yourself and just rip the bandaid off. Do it. I like that. I like that. Yeah, that's a, that's a very valid <laughs> trust, point. Trust your gut. A, trust your gut. Freaking valid, God. Oh, I have one. Yeah, I have one more. That is, um, my friend again, a relationship therapist. He said something that was like really, really helpful. Um, and this could be for anyone, any relationship. If you're kind of like is this working? Is this not? And the, you have to ask yourself, what makes me feel more anxious, them coming home or them not coming home? So is the idea of them not being around so much worse? Or do I feel anxious thinking about them being here right now? And that kind of is like a really good compass. Yeah, that's a hard question. That's a really good, that's a deep one. Deep one, and maybe why in the past I was like, yes, I prefer long distance relationships when they're, they're not around. Um, <laughs> please move away. <laughs> please, by all means, move to New York City. Move to the other side of the country. It's, it's fine. fine. <laughs> Stay on the East Coast. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. Well, Brett, thank you so much for coming on and just like giving me. <laughs> All the revelations. <laughs> Let the gals know, though, where they can find you and where they can get more of you. Okay. Well, relationship advice on TikTok at Brittany Burr, two N's, one T, Instagram, Britt Burr. Um, I have a lot more writing coming out and I will share it on socials as it does. It's multi, multi-platform. So stay tuned. That's awesome. awesome. And we will leave links to all that in the show notes. And so that does it for today's episode of The Gals Guide. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at The Gals Guide Pod. Also like us on Facebook at The Gals Guide and become a Gal Scout in our Facebook community. You can also hit us up on our website, thegalsguidepod.com, and our personal social media, which we will have linked in our show notes. Also, if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review. And then if you're listening to us on Spotify, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. So thanks for listening, gals, and we hope you come back for our next journey.
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.